Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week. As always, every week, you and I are on a journey together. We have the great opportunity to be able to talk every week, to talk about things that you and I can do to be able to be the best dads that we want to be to our daughters and and be able to find new ways that other dads, other people are engaging with their daughters, are helping their daughters in so many different ways. And I love being able to be a part of this journey with you because it is a journey. What you're doing today may not be the same as what you're doing next week, next year, 10 years from now. It is a continual learning process for yourself, for your kids, and and that's okay. It's important to be able to keep learning day by day, listen to other dads so that you can learn what has worked with them, what hasn't worked, because you may learn something along the way as well. I also love being able to bring you new guests every week that can open your eyes, open your ears, and really open new pathways to learning for yourself to help you be that best dad to your daughters. Today, we got another great guest with us. Alan Shedlin is with us, and Alan is going to be talking to us about being a father to three biological daughters, but as he'll probably explain to us, he's got a number of other kids, quote unquote, that have become a part of his family along the way. And he's got many grandkids as well and adopted grandkids that are a part of his family. So we're going to be talking about that as well, as well as the fact that he's been doing something called the Daddying Film Festival and Forum. So we're going to be talking about that as well. Alan, thanks so much for being here today. My pleasure. My favorite topic. It is my pleasure having you here today. Now, first and foremost, one of the things that I love to do is be able to talk to you about being a dad. So I want to turn the clock back in time quite a few years. I want to go all the way back to that first moment, that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? Well, initially, I didn't know whether I was going to be a dad of a daughter or a son because my oldest daughter is amazingly to me will be this month 57 years old, which means I'm really friggin' old. That's what it means. All three of my daughters are members of ARP. So for me, it was joyful to find out that I was going to be a dad, something I had wanted to be from actually pretty earliest memories. I always wanted to be a dad. As a matter of fact, much to my wife's chagrin when we started dating and we talked about this. She said, do you want to have children? And I said, yes, 12. I think it's never a good idea to plan how many children you're going to have until you've had your first one. So I have three daughters, as you mentioned. I used to also be an elementary school principal. And so one four-year-old told me my job as an elementary school principal was to be the daddy of the school. So I did end up with 515 children on a daily basis. I love that. And we do kind of at times adopt kids along the way. 
And definitely people become part of your families through the friends that your kids have and through other relationships and connections. So it's wonderful to hear. Now, as you think back to the relationship that you've been able to build with your daughters and you think about raising your daughters, and I know it's been many years that you've been able to be their dad. In the conversations that I continuously have with dads, sometimes dads tell me that at least when they initially have their daughters and start to raise them, that there's some fear that goes along with that. What would you say was your biggest fear in raising daughters? So one of the things I like to say is that I have been dadding for 164 years, and that is the total age of my three daughters, because I think our experience as dads with our kids, whether they be sons or daughters, is unique and quite different. So my biggest worry and my biggest fear was, coincidentally, that was my daughter, my oldest daughter calling. So uh, I'll call her back. My biggest fear was that when my oldest daughter was born, it was a very, very difficult birth. And the neurologist who was called in at birth pronounced that there was a likelihood that she would not survive. So there was lots to fear about that. And she did spend the first 10 days of her life in an IQ unit in the New York City hospital, where it was touch and go. Uh, And upon the release of her from the hospital, I was told that she would likely survive, but she would be so severely damaged, the words he used, that she would be uneducable. I had just received my master's degree in special education. I was very well aware of all of the potential issues. I'll quickly tell you that 30 years later, the quote, likely to be uneducable baby received her master's degree as a teacher and has just completed 27 years as a bilingual teacher at the elementary level. So much for making pronouncements about newborn without taking into consideration a whole bunch of other things. So what was my biggest fear was that she would live. Now, as you think back to those years as your children were getting older, there's easy parts. There's definitely hard parts. And as you said, they, as you said, 164 years. So that is, so it ages you along the way as well. What would you say was the hardest part in being a father to a daughter? I would say the hardest part was happily there weren't many hard parts. And part of that is, is I'm an educator. I had a lot of experience working with children. I somehow did a lot of reflecting as a child growing up about thinking about the kind of dad that I wanted to be. A lot of it had to do with the kind of dad I had, and there were a lot of pluses and a lot of minuses. So I think that the hardest part was feeling perhaps that I wasn't spending as much time and wasn't able to spend as much time with with my children as I would have liked. Let's talk a little bit about that because balancing everything is not as easy as possible. And we wear many hats and have to do many things to not only be a good dad, but also to provide for our families and be able to do the things that fulfill us in those ways as well. 
So how did you best balance your different hats that you wore? So I think there's kind of a perversity in our lives in that the very same time that we are trying to make our mark in our professions is also the very same time for a lot of us that we're beginning our families. And so it's lucky that I never required much sleep and I still happily don't require much sleep. So you can get, get a lot done. I think it's a mistake to think about balancing. Frankly, I don't think that's achievable. I prefer to think about it as juggling. So I think we're juggling the amount of time that we spend and that we do the very best we can. And we hope that we have in our partner or whoever is parenting along with us, you know, the kind of help that enables us to do the best we can. And I think that's all we can expect of ourselves and each other is to do the best we can. So for me, it was including things like making sure there was a routine. And as I mentioned, I was a school principal and I had a 120 mile round trip commute every day. And I was getting a advanced degree at the time. And I had a full time job as a school principal. So it's lucky I didn't need much sleep. Been there. I've done that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I appreciate all the work that you did to be able to try and find balance. Yeah. Because I think that that's the important word there is you can try to find balance. But I think all of our lives are a little off balance just based on the nature of life itself. Yeah. Now, as things that I mentioned at the very beginning today is that you have something that you run called the Daddying Film Festival and Forum. And I love the name and love the premise of it. I'm going to have you talk a little bit about what this is. But as you talk about what this is, I want to turn the clock back again, like we did at the very beginning. And I'd love to hear, let's say, the Genesis story of where this came from and why you chose to do this. As I mentioned, I love talking about this. So God help you in terms of answering this question. So I mentioned that I more than once that I was an, that I am an educator and trained uh, as an educator and was a school principal. When I left my job as a school principal, I created something which became the National Elementary School Center, which I ran for 10 years, was located in East Harlem in, in New York, and found that running a, what I call a social profit organization, the IRS calls it a nonprofit organization, but I prefer to identify it by what it did rather than what it didn't do. It didn't make a profit, but it did offer a social profit. And I find that a lot of people who work in that realm spend way too much of their time trying to raise enough money to keep the doors open. And so after 10 years of spending my time doing that, I realized that the proportion of the time I spent raising money was the opposite of the time that I wanted to spend on that. I wanted to spend that on the programs. And so we closed the doors of the National Elementary School Center and somebody said, what are you doing next? And I said, I have no idea. And they said, well, we've just had a conversation with your three daughters who at that point were in their early 20s. 
and the way they speak about you as a father, you need to write a book on fathering. What could be more flattering? And because I'm a bit of a smart ass, my response was, lucky you didn't talk to them a few years ago when they were teenagers, you might have gotten a different date. But she said, you need to write a book on fathering. And my response was, fathering is not a book. Fathering is a paragraph. It's a one-time biological act requiring no commitment whatsoever, just a shot of DNA. I have a habit of not feeling it's right to criticize something without offering an alternative. And so at that point, I came up with the term daddying, which is where fatherhood and nurturing intersect. And I had done a lot of writing and education, but had never thought of doing writing about daddying. And so I thought, how would I write about it? Well, I guess first I would reference myself as a father, as a daddy, and then I would reference myself as a son and as a grandson, and then as a school principal and so forth and so on. And I found an agent who wanted to represent me writing such a book and who then said to me, Alan, have you done any interviewing? And I said, no, but I guess it'd be a good idea to interview the consumers of daddying. If you want to improve a product, you interview the consumers, the consumers of daddying or children. And so I did 28 focus groups in three different countries, children as young as five and as old as 21. And between all of my points of reference, I felt I had an okay outline for a book. And the agent said to me, Alan, have you interviewed dads? And I said, no. And she said, why not? I said, it was so obvious it didn't occur to me. And she said, that's cute, now go do it. And so I have now interviewed over the last 20 years or so, 205 fathers, ranging in age from 16 to 104, from 20 different countries, every socioeconomic, religious group, racial group that one can imagine. And during those interviews, the soulful sadness that often came out of the interviews was pretty overwhelming to me. These were one-on-one -on -one interviews that lasted an average of an hour and a half. So there's a protocol of questions I ask. Sometimes they lasted an hour. Sometimes they lasted four hours. And there was a soulful sadness. And I felt like I needed to do something to address that sadness. It doesn't mean it was only sadness. Obviously, it wasn't only sadness. But that's one of the things that stuck with me. And while I was thinking about that, I happened to see a movie called My Architect, The Son's Journey. And it was a movie that was one of three Academy Award nominees, his best documentary. I believe it was 2003. And I cried through about half the movie, a movie done by Nathaniel Kahn, who didn't have much of a relationship with his father, Louis Kahn, who was a famous architect. And he wanted to find out about his father through his architecture. And so we visited not only the buildings, but he interviewed the people who had commissioned his dad. And as I'm watching that movie, I'm wishing that my father was sitting next to me watching the movie with me. My father had died the year before that. And the reason I wished he was there because issues came up in the movie 
that would have been hard for me to bring up spontaneously without referring to the movie. And so that's where the idea came from, to use film as a way to engage fathers or father figures or grandfathers or uncles or ministers or teachers with their kids um, and get to some of the important issues that were responsible for both the soulful sadness, but also were responsible for some of the joys and happiness. And so that's where the idea for the film festival came from. We haven't been doing it for years, although it does feel occasionally like I've been doing it every minute of every day for years. But last year, we did our first trial of it to see whether or not it was of any value whatsoever. And it was all virtual. And we received responses of films from children, elementary school through undergraduate college from 17 different countries. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind in terms of how it resonated, the theme of writing about making a, a brief film, a brief video about your father. And so this is year two, and it's really year one in many ways, because we're also doing a, a live session in addition to the virtual. So we've closed the submissions for this year of films received films from 21 different countries. And we opened it up this year to fathers and father figures submitting films as well. And we have twice as many films submitted by fathers and father figures as we do from children. So we're learning this is really the first year in this current format. So as you look at the response, as you look at where you started and where you are today, where do you see this going and what do you hope that might come next as you look at following years? So we have a couple of goals. One is to shine a spotlight. I mean, using film as the metaphor here is to shine a spotlight on the importance of father involvement and to actually, if I'm again using that as the primary metaphor, is to have fathers move from being the understudy parent to the co-starring parent, co-starring parent. And so the whole purpose of this is to shine that spotlight on the importance of father involvement, not only to for the good of children and all of the research shows us, and I know you're familiar with with at least some of the research that all measures of social well-being go up for children when fathers are positively involved in their lives. What's much less known is what fathers get out of it and how much their lives are improved when they have a positive engagement or involvement with their children. And so the second thing is not only to sign the spotlight on it, but to also highlight the film industry and the opportunities that that presents for these kind of rich discussions in different states. So this year, the live portion of it, which we're calling the forum, so it's the Daddy and Film Festival and Forum. So the forum will take place in the state of New Mexico. Will be one day in Albuquerque on the 24th of June and one day in Santa Fe on the 25th of June. 
we are thrilled that we have been invited to bring the festival in form next year to Pennsylvania. And so that's where it will be next year. And we're learning this is our infancy. We're not even at the toddler stage yet. So this is our infancy and it'll be easier to answer in more detail the question in terms of what we're learning this year. We're blown away that we have had so many submissions from fathers and father figures this year, and also that we've had films submitted by women as well. And when you talk about films, are these full-length films? Are they short-form films? What are you seeing in these submissions? So what we called for this year was films, videos created of up to seven minutes. And we have had them in the categories of elementary age kids, middle school age kids, high school kids, and undergraduate kids. We've also opened it to independent filmmakers. So we've received a couple of full-length films as well, or feature films, as I'm learning they're called. I'm learning a lot. It's good to be a geezer and still be learning stuff. So that's what we're doing. Really a, a very, very important part of it goes back to my training and preparation as an educator is that when the films come into us, they are judged by kids in the same age range. So elementary through undergraduate. When the kids have reviewed the films and picked 10 semifinalists in each age group, and this year added the dad films as well, and the independent films that have come in. So they've narrowed it down to 10 semifinalists. Those 10 semifinalists are then sent to people in the entertainment industry, actresses, producers, cinematographers, directors, and so forth. They narrow it down to five finalists. Those five finalists, the children and the five finalists, each earn $250. They are then put on public channel, which will be June 4th to June 10th this year. And the public gets to vote on which is the one that wins in each category. The winner earns not only an additional $250, so that's 500 bucks, but they also win not an Oscar, not a Golden Globe, not an Emmy, they win an Atticus, because Atticus Finch is considered the single best portrayal, both in a movie and in literature, of a father. And so the award is a mockingbird mounted on a pedestal. So that's what they win. What's happening at the forum is that those winning films will be shown at the forum. They will. We will then have a discussion group between children and fathers or father figures about the themes that have come up in those winning films. And after that is done, and this is all, it's the first year we're doing the live part, so I'm sure next year it will be somewhat different based on what we learned, what worked and what didn't work. We're also having a, a woman who's finishing her doctorate at UCLA who has studied how fathers are portrayed in the media and she is going to do a brief presentation of what she's learned. Then we're going to have a break, and then we're going to show a, a full-length film. We know which one it's going to be. It's quite wonderful. It's called Dancing Dads, filmed by a dad. You know, I don't want to take the time to go into the details about that, but urge 
people to watch that. I'm happy to go into detail if, if you'd like on it. And then what we're going to do at the very end is we're going to have the opportunity for fathers or father figures and their kids to have a commitment photo taken, a still photo taken. And on top of that photo is going to be a short poem called The Daddy's Prayer. And if you give me permission and we have the time, I'll be happy to read the short poem. And it could also be called the parent's prayer, by the way. But since my focus is on dads, it's called the daddy's prayer. At the end of my days, may my child be able to conclude with honesty, conviction, and enthusiasm that I did the best I could. And then some. May I become the dad of my yearning, the one I might have dreamed for if I dared. May I be mindful that when I dare, reality may present challenges to test my seriousness of intent and purpose. At those times, may I remain mindful of my intentions and daddy on as if my child's life depends on it as might mine. Let the ideal of a perfect parent be my lodestar humbled by the realization that there is no such thing, just as there is no such thing as a perfect child, rather a child who is perfectly who they are. I'm proud to have written that poem. And so the dads and the kids are going to get to read that poem, have a photograph taken, and then they're going to make a commitment to each other of something they can do as a son or a daughter and as a dad. And they're going to witness that the other person has done that and they're going to sign it. And then they get to have a portrait to take with them with a commitment un underneath it. So that's what we're planning. Hopefully it's helpful to people. Hopefully it's fun as well. We will also have invited 10 organizations in each setting of Albuquerque and Santa Fe who do programs that are excellent programs that encourage fathers and their children to do things together. Well, Alan, I just want to say thank you for all this work. This is amazing. And if people want to find out not only more about the film festival, but if they want to check it out, if they want to attend in person or see some of the work that's being done virtually, where is the best place for them to go to be able to find out more? Okay, so we do have a website, as you might suspect. So it's under the rubric. So my organization under which this is is called the Advocacy Consulting Group. So that website is just as it sounds, you know, www.advocacyconsultinggroup.com. The Daddy and Film Festival also has its own website. So it's daddyingfilmfest.com and they can find out all the information. We can say now that we will open submissions for next year on Martin Luther King Day and we will close it as we did this year, initially on April 1st, and then we extended it to May 1st because we realized that April Fool's Day is not a good day to end 
submissions for anything. So we hope there'll be lots of people who want to participate if they want. All the information, by the way, is on those on those two sites. And we'd be happy to have people who might want to come to the, the forum in Albuquerque on the 24th of June and on in Santa Fe on the 25th of June or next year in Pennsylvania. And it'll be only one day next next year. That's one of the things we learned trying to do this in two days. This is very different. Um, Chris, than what a standard film festival is. So we're not interested in saying we have 150 films we're showing over 12 days in 63 venues. That's not the idea. The idea is to focus on the importance of daddying and the importance of father involvement and how, like you and your mission, is how we can each become the dad we most want to be. And I do a lot of workshops for dads with that title, Becoming the Dad You Want to Be. And one of the things, and you've probably learned this also in your work, you know, if you say to a dad, who is the dad you want to be? That's almost an existential question and almost immobilizing in its scope. So what I've learned to do in, in my workshops is to make it manageable is I say to dads, so five years from now, how would you like your child to describe you as a dad? So that's a little bit scary is to think about how you might want your child to describe you. But if you don't know who that dad is you want to be, you ain't getting there. So you have to have some understanding of who is that dad that, that you want to be. And of course, it's about your child. So how do you want your child to describe you five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now? And that should really help you in terms of that lodestar that is mentioned in the poem of who is that dad? And we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? I'm ready. In one word. What is fatherhood? Well, I don't know if it's one word. Being there. If you say it fast, it's one word. Being there. When was the time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? I think you succeed when you are become aware that nurturing your child is nourishing to you. That's the apex in my mind of being a dad. If I was to talk to your daughters, how would they describe you as a dad? Oh, man, I'll give you their emails and you can, you know, it probably depends on the day. I think the fact that I got into this particular work of moving from being, quote, an educator to being a dadvocate is because of how they talked about me when they were in their early 20s. And I think that the two of them who are parents themselves at this point have a whole different understanding about what it means to be a parent and maybe a whole different appreciation about it. So I would say when I ask them, they would be very appreciative of my daddying. What inspires you to be a better dad? I think I inspire myself to be a better dad, given how much thought, especially in the last 30 years that I have spent thinking about, writing about, researching, 
about working with that is that it's the inspiration that I have received from listening to so many other dads. And so I, you know, however weird it sounds, I guess I would say that I inspire myself through the kind of reflecting I do about this, which by the way, I wasn't quite as able to do while I was your age and had kids your age. It's pretty hard to be reflective when you're in the midst of it, in what I call the automatic pilot stage of parenting. But part of having 164 years experience as as a dad and 111 as a granddad and doing this work has provided me an opportunity to be much more reflective about it. You've given a lot of pieces of advice today, things for people to think about and to, to consider for themselves in finishing up today. What's one piece of advice you'd want to give to every dad? Be there. Anybody can become an You know, other people have said this in other ways. Anybody can become a dad by accident. You can only become a daddy by intention. And so there there is a difference. Dadding is not merely who you are. It's what you do. Well, Alan, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for all the work that you've done over the last 30 years to be able to be that champion for dads out there. And the work that you're still doing in the Daddying Film Festival, and I wish you all the best. And I thank you, Chris, for for everything that you're doing, for what you have created in terms of heightening a consciousness about the importance, acknowledging the importance of, of being a dad. And, you know, for, for me, sort of a final thought, I was thinking about this the other day, is how cool it would be to redefine the word machismo, and to make it a word that encompasses things like tenderness, which is definitely not a word that we would think of, most of us, when we hear that term, machismo. But to expand really the role and the definition and the way we think about what it is to be a man. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons, we make the meals, we buy them presents. Bring your A-game, cause those kids are growing fast. The time goes by just like a dynamite blast. Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men. Get out and be the world to them. 
be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.